Happy Father's Day to uh, all of you fathers among us, and uh, Mary, thank you so much. Um, that was quite a tribute to a stepfather, and perhaps some of you are, you know, the stepfather type, and uh, uh, God bless you this day as well. All right, um, let's open in our Bibles to uh, Psalm 100, and, we're, uh, excuse me, Psalm 1, the very first psalm. And if you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that reading on page 454. And assuming that you have the Holman Bible, would you join me in reading this out loud? How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take paths of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water, that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Today it is uh, my privilege and responsibility to bring our uh, weeks of uh, in the Word to an end, uh, to, to a conclusion, and uh, we're going to do this around the question of how do I integrate the Word of God into my life. Uh, we're going to summarize everything that we've been looking at through sermons, through uh, the video sessions, the small group meetings, and our uh, daily devotions. And uh, so, uh, the problem that we often have about integrating the Word of God into our lives is that we assume that it's going to happen sometimes by osmosis. In other words, if I go to church every Sunday, if I have my daily devotions, you know, somehow some of this is going to seep into my heart and is going to make a difference in my life. And while there may be some truth to that, uh, that is not the way that we can uh, effectively integrate the Word of God into our lives. Other people, you know, instead of depending on osmosis, they kind of depend on uh, being zapped into uh, compliance with the Word of God. Here I am living out my life in the uh, values of the world, and then I went to church and I heard the sermon, and zap! Now I'm living out the values of the Word. And um, yeah, that happens too. There are sermons that just hit us between the eyes and, and have a transformative effect upon our lives. But these are the exceptions. The fact is that uh, integrating the Word of God into our lives is not something that happens automatically. It takes work. And we are either working at it or we're engaging in what I call wishcraft. You won't find the word in the dictionary, so don't look it up. But what I mean is just waiting around in church services and devotions to be zapped into compliance with the word of God. But Proverbs 28:19 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. And, um, uh, and the only principle that I'm trying to draw out of that is that we can chase the fantasy that through osmosis our lives are going to be changed or through being zapped we're going to be changed. But the reality is our lives are changed as we work 
at integrating the Word of God into our life. So how do we do that? Well, the first point, and uh, you do have outlines of this uh, in your bulletin if you want to fill in the blanks. Uh, the first point is that uh, first area that we have to work in is to work at attaining a sound interpretation of the text that we are that we have under consideration. Now, theoretically, there is only one correct interpretation of each sentence of Scripture, and that is what the original writer intended to communicate to the original readers. Now, we know theoretically that uh, that is the case. Realistically, it's quite a challenge to get to that point, and I certainly am not standing before you with any sense that I have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In fact, I like to tell myself, and I tell myself this all the time, that, uh, George, you're probably only about 75% accurate in your understanding of Scripture. Now, by telling myself that, what it does is it keeps me humble and keeps me teachable. Because if I think I've got it all together, I'm not very teachable. Um, But also, by telling you that I think I'm only 75% correct, what it does is it enables you to uh, say, you know what, I better check up on this guy. I better make sure that what this guy is saying is indeed consistent with the word. Uh, I better uh, be like the Bereans uh, who... Uh, when the Apostle Paul taught them, they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now, if these folks felt like they had to check up on the Apostle Paul, don't you think you need to check up on me? Don't you think you need to check up on uh, uh, Pastor Neil and anybody else? And so um, we want to remain teachable. We want to remain humble. Um, but um, how do we arrive at a uh, sound interpretation of Scripture. Well, first of all, uh, it requires illumination. Illumination, as we have seen uh, in our study, is the work of the Holy Spirit, whereby he, the author of the Scriptures, takes and teaches the Word of God as he intended it to us. But in addition to illumination, oh, by the way, that is why we've, encouraged you to uh, start out your devotions with opening in prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to teach you. Uh, We had this as a memory verse, and I think in the sermon today we're going to recite all of our memory verses. I feel like I just sent a wave of panic through the uh, congregation. Um, And this was one of our verses. Let's say this together, all right? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You think you can do it again? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. What a prayer. And we've encouraged you to open up your devotions with a prayer like that, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate you. But in addition to, uh, uh, in addition to uh, illumination, we need to have interpretation. Illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit. Interpretation is your work. And how do we interpret the Word of God? How do we get to that understanding of what the original author intended to communicate to the original readers? Well, we realize that God has chosen to speak His mind to us in writing. And we call that writing 
the Holy Bible. And when I was in school, I used to hate grammar.、Uh, but you know, when I started realizing that, wow, God decided to speak to us in words and sentences and paragraphs. Now I started paying a little more attention、uh, to grammar. But to arrive at、uh, the proper interpretation of anything, there are certain principles that we apply,、uh, whether we're reading the newspaper or whether we're reading the Bible. If we're going to accurately understand it. We have to have some understanding of the vocabulary. What did it mean at the time that? What did the words mean at the time they were written? We have to understand the grammatical structure of the sentence and how the words、uh, relate to each other. We have to、uh, accept every word at its、uh, face value, at its plain meaning, its normal meaning. We have to. Uh, Uh, look at everything in context and understand how one sentence flows into the next, how one paragraph relates to the one before and after it, and so forth. And in this way, if we will, uh, uh, if we will seek the illumination of the Holy Spirit and do our work of interpreting the Scriptures in accordance with sound principles, over time we will. Develop a sound understanding of Scripture, and that's one area that we have to work in. A second area that we have to work in is that、uh, we have to work at getting the text under consideration into your heart and mind. As it has been uh, said, uh, we、um, don't want to just get into the Word. It's more important that the Word get into us. And we had a couple memory verses、uh, in relationship to that.、Uh, remember Colossians three sixteen. I think that was our first one. Let's say that together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then we also notice dwell in you, not just you in the word, but the word in you. And then、uh, look at Psalm one nineteen and verse eleven. Let's say that together. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How good your memory! Let's check it out. All right,、uh, ready? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Very good. Um, and so, notice that both of these verses are talking about getting the word into us. Now,、um, when the word of God is in us, God has created human beings with these minds that recall things.、Uh, seems like the older you get, the harder the recall gets. But uh, uh, nevertheless, our minds can recall things. That's a, a natural function of the human mind. But then there's also a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of bringing back to our minds the things that are in there, so that when we are facing life's situations, when we are facing temptations, when we are facing trials, when we're facing any situation, the Word of God can come back to our minds and can、uh, be relevant to our lives. And this is what it means to have the Word dwelling in you. If in the beginning of your day you open up your Word and you you study the Word of God and then you close it and then for the rest of the day you don't think anything about Scripture and you don't think anything about God, He isn't on your mind, His Word isn't on your mind. Then you may be doing a good job of getting into the Word, but you're not necessarily doing a good job of getting the Word 
into you. And so this would be an area that you would want to give some special attention to. Now, uh, how do we get the uh, Word of God into us? What are some of the keys of doing that? It is uh, said that we only remember 5% of what we hear and what we read. So right now, you're hearing my sermon. Tomorrow morning, by this time, 24 hours later, you will only remember 5% of what I said. That makes me very sad. So I, uh, I'm going to teach you how you can remember more of that, all right? But my mother used to say to me that, you know, what I tell you goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, I know it's not Mother's Day, but uh, in honor of moms, did, did any of your moms say that to you? Yeah, a lot of us, right? Okay, but here's the thing. You're going to walk through that door, those doors in a little while, you're not going to give another thought to anything that was said in here, and you're only going to retain 5% of what I said. Or, when you open up your Bible in the morning and you read it, 24 hours later, you're only going to remember 5% of what you read. And so, um, uh, the question is then, what is the key to getting the Word of God into us? And if you were to say it in one word, now there, there might be some options here, but there's one word that... Uh, We've been taught over and over again, uh, what is that one word? Ah, bingo, meditation. Sometimes when you ask questions, you, you get bizarre answers and you go, uh-huh, uh, uh, that's good, yeah, anyone else? But uh, that was great. That was a nice, strong... And by meditation, we don't mean sitting around in funny positions, humming and thinking upon mantras that you know are meaningless. What we mean is taking the, the words of Scripture and thinking them over and mulling them over in our minds. So, in fact, uh, meditation is the key. And what did we learn in Psalm uh, 1? That uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates from the time he opens up his Bible in the morning all the way to the end of his day. That there's this constant meditation that is going on during all of our waking hours. And so, we were taught six methods uh, that would enable us to slow down and to think about what we're reading and to meditate on the Word. You know, we were taught to uh, pronounce it, where you place an emphasis on each word. Uh, for example, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And I thought this was kooky at first. I, I thought a bunch of this was kooky at first. But I'm telling you, this stuff works. Because when you place an emphasis on a certain word, it yields something from the verse that you didn't think of the first time you just read the verse. Uh, second, oops, no, excuse me. Uh, secondly is uh, we want to picture it. He s sits in the seat of mockers. Here's a person that's in the presence of people who, uh, uh, you know, you're picturing this, someone sitting around, and all around him are all these unbelievers with the world's values. And there he sits very comfortably in the midst of them. You see, picturing it can yield uh, something to us. Uh, probing it, asking ourselves certain questions like, uh, you know, what sin is there in there that I might confess? And, and who knows, but the Lord might convict us 
through that reading that, you know what? I sit in the midst of unbelieving mockers of spiritual things and God and Christians all day long, and I really am comfortable among them. Not because Jesus was comfortable among sinners. It's just that I've gotten so used to it and so comfortable with it, it doesn't bother me anymore. And Lord, forgive me for that. There's the paraphrase uh, method, and as those of you in week six know, we're we're meditating on Psalm 1. Here's my paraphrase of the first three verses. The person who loves God's word so much, um, the person who loves God's word so much that he thinks about it during every waking hour is going to be like a tree situated by an endless supply of water. That person will always thrive in all circumstances and yield a bumper crop of blessings in his life year after year after year. All right, may not work for you, but that works for me. Then there's the uh, personalize it method, where you, uh, you know, I, the Lord your God, uh, will bless you, George, if you will not sit in the seat of mockers, and if you will take pleasure in my word all day long. And then there's the uh, uh, pray it method. Dear Lord, I thank you for your promise that you will bless me if I uh, do not walk in the counsel of the unbelieving world around me, but love your word so much that I think about it during every waking hour. I love you, Lord, and I love your word, but I need the help of your Holy Spirit to help me think about your word all day long. You see, these some of these methods might be a little uncomfortable, but can you see the, the benefit of, instead of like reading a chapter a day or going through the word in a year and reading five chapters a day, and there's benefit to those. But can you see the benefit of slowing down and how now slowed down the Word of God as the better opportunity to get into you? During our week six survey, one of the questions that we uh, have been asked or will be asked is, uh, in what ways did you benefit from the 40 days in the Word? And even though I've been a Christian for 40 years, even though I have been to seminary, even though I have been to Bible college, quite honestly, by forcing myself to practice these things, uh, I have really appreciated uh, the benefits of meditating on the Word. And so I encourage you to uh, do this. In fact, for those of you that want to go through this with us, we're going to do a summer survivor thing. And that means that there will be days of the week and there will be a text for July and August that will be assigned, and you read that text, and using one of these six methods, one will be suggested, but you're welcome to use any method that you want. You just go through this little portion of Scripture for the day, and we're going to pick some of the greatest passages in the Bible that we probably all ought to know, and uh, you're welcome to uh, join us on the Summer Survivor Series. Uh, And so uh, this opportunity, we can go 60 days, 61 days in the Word and uh, continue to build these uh, benefits uh, into our lives. All right, so you can see it's work to uh, understand the Word. It's work to get the Word into us. But also, we have to work at believing the text that is under consideration uh, that it is absolutely true. Here at Hope Chapel, we believe that this is the words from the God who created the universe. And we believe that they're words that are absolutely trustworthy and true. Pastor Neal spoke about this. But there is, uh, some, some people sometimes have 
said to me, uh, you know, you believe the Bible, that, that's fine. Uh, you, that's what you choose to believe. Um, you believe it on blind faith. You've just accepted it as uh, a reality in life. And I'm like, no. If the Word of God, if the Bible, if there wasn't evidence that the Bible was the Word of God, if there wasn't evidence <clears throat> that it was true, I wouldn't believe it. I'm not going to believe it on just blind faith. I'm not going to take some kind of leap into the dark and, and, and believe it for no reason at all. I believe it because there's astounding harmony to it. That 40-some individuals over a span of 1,600 years on three different continents put together a book that is harmonious. And people will sometimes even say, well, the Bible is full of contradictions. To which my response is, I've been studying the Bible a long time, and I don't find contradictions. I find an amazing harmony in the Bible. To me, it just seems like a divine mind had to be behind the whole thing, coordinating it. Uh, the scientific accuracy of the Bible. Um, by the way, the other holy books of the world were written by one individual. Uh, the Bible is written by 40-some, so that's pretty astounding to me. Uh, but uh, there, there are no contradictions between the absolutely proven facts of science and the proper interpretation uh, of the Bible. Um, people will say, well, so much of the Bible... Uh, is historically inaccurate. No, so much of the Bible is historically unverified by external sources, but as archaeology continues to develop and more and more gets, um, you know, said and dug, uh, the Bible is proving itself to be an historically accurate document. The Bible is prophetically accurate. Things were said hundreds of years before they actually happened, but they actually happened as said. And there's prophetic accuracy to the Bible. And then there's experiential accuracy. A little more subjective, but it's the idea that when we um, uh, live out the Word of God, that we actually do experience a, an improved quality of life in our lives, but even whole societies as they embrace the Scriptures experience an improvement in the quality of their life. Those are the reasons that we believe the Bible is the Word of God. It's not just some blind thing that we believe. Now, you will hear in secular society uh, something like this. There are no absolutes. Everyone is free to do whatever they want to do uh, as long as no one gets hurt. And, and that's like one of the mantras that our society lives by. But it's self-contradictory, is it not? I mean, you say there's no absolutes, but you just made an absolute statement. You say that, uh, you know, there's no absolutes, but you can do whatever you want as long as no one gets hurt. Well, now that's an absolute that you're adding on to your morality. It's a self-contradictory statement. No one can consistently live this statement out. No one. And so um, rather than embracing the uh, uh, concepts of the world, we embrace the concepts of the word. Uh, one thing you hear uh, people say sometimes is, listen to your heart. Just go through life and listen to your heart. But the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why would you want to listen to your heart? And I remember one time counseling this couple. Their marriage was uh, disastrous and uh, uh, she was having an affair. And, uh, uh, and she said, no, I'm going to leave him. Uh, I've got to listen to my heart. Okay, well, that's your choice. You can listen to your heart or you can listen to the Word of God. 
But we as Christians believe that listening to the Word of God is the wisest path that we can choose in life. Uh, that the God that created the universe and knows how everything was intended to work together has given us moral instructions, not arbitrarily, but out of love because he knows what's in our best interest and the best interest of those that are all around us. And so um, uh, we don't want to listen to our, our cultural norms. Uh, we, we live in a day and age when uh, we give the benefit of the doubt to anything that a psychologist says or a scientist says. And what I would like to challenge you to think about is that are you going to take the word of a psychologist or the word of a scientist and put it above in authority the word that comes to us from God above? Um, you know, so a Christian is a person who trusts the word of God because there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to death. Seems right, seems right, makes all the sense in the world, but it yields horrible fruits. And that's why we are to trust the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not unto our own understanding, to in all our ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct our path. But it takes work to decide, am I really believing? Am I really trusting the Word of God? And here's just a, a few ways that we can do a, a reality check as to what we really, really believe. And that is that after we look at a passage of Scripture, we ask ourselves, does my checkbook show that I believe the things that I just read? Does um, my calendar, where I invest my time, does that show what I believe is really important on the basis of the Word of God? Uh, as I look at my bucket list and the things that I want to accomplish before I kick the bucket, you know, um, do, do those goals and aspirations, uh, are they reflected in the things that I just read in this paragraph of Scripture? Um, as I think about my relationships, do my relationships reflect what I just read? Uh, does my uh, private behaviors when I'm where no one else can see me, uh, does that reflect the things that I just read in this paragraph? Um, does the way I speak to people, does the way I think, the thoughts that run through my mind, I may not share them, but what I'm really thinking um, in different situations in life, what I'm really feeling in different situations of life, you know, are those consistent with, see, that's how we get down to whether or not in our hearts we really, really believe the Scriptures. So that's an area that we have to work in, but our final area that we need to work in is in that of obeying the text that is under consideration. And uh, it takes work to uh, implement and to apply the Word of God to our lives. We've uh, read, uh, we've memorized uh, James chapter 1 and verse 22. Let, let's read it together. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Try it again. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I... Um, did, of course, we, we meditated on this uh, during the 40 days as well in one of our devotions. And uh, my paraphrase of it looks like this. Do not merely read God's word and thereby deceive yourselves into thinking that you are fearing God. 
Real God-fearing people do what it says. Uh, Anyone who reads God's word and does not do what it says is like a person who looks in the mirror, notices things that are askew, walks away from the mirror, and never does a thing to correct what was askew. But the person who looks intently into the mirror of the perfect moral law of God that brings freedom, notices things are askew, and corrects what was not right, that person will be blessed by God. That person, not the person who reads the Bible, as beneficial as that is, but the person who does the Bible is the person who is blessed. And I remember one time uh, preaching on this uh, in my former church, and, uh, uh, and, and I got to torture the congregation. Uh, just before I got up to preach, I took a little dab of chocolate, and I uh, suck it right there. And um, then I started my sermon, right? And, uh, you know, people are like, you know, like, looking, and people are leaning over. And uh, I, I don't know what it says about me, but I got so much pleasure out of torturing the congregation. But I kept it on right through the end of the service and right through people going out because the finish of my sermon was on the way out. Make sure that as you're looking into the mirror of God's Word this week that you put it into practice. You know, I drove the congregation nuts. They, they, they didn't forget that sermon, but I'm going to be a little nicer to you because I still feel kind of new and I feel like a guest here somewhat. So, uh, uh, and so I'll be a little nicer to you. But uh, what, did, uh, what were we taught? Oops. We were taught that we want to, you know, take the word and we want to make it practical. How do I take this paragraph that I'm studying or meditating on and make it practical in my life, uh, make it personal, make it possible, something that you can actually accomplish, and make it provable? And so this takes work. This is different than just reading the Bible. This takes work. And it's part of the uh, integration of the Bible into our lives. You know, I really wish that each of you would take 20 minutes after each uh, Sunday sermon on Sunday afternoon and ask yourself, you know, Lord, what, um, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to change? How do you want me to live? What changes do you want me to make in my life as a result of the sermon that I heard today? Now, I know that's wishful thinking. We're not trained that way. But we would benefit a whole lot more if we were. In fact, I was often thinking that if I ever started a church, wouldn't it be so cool to have like the sermon and then 20 minutes of meditation on the sermon where you silently sit and listen to the Holy Spirit and then you break into the same groups that you break into every week where the people are starting to get to know you and where you pray for one another and share with one another what your aspirations are in response to the sermon. Wow, wouldn't that be powerful? Yeah, you all know it would be powerful, but you also know you wouldn't go to that church. Uh, Because, I mean, you know, requiring me to obey the word, now that's, that's getting a little personal. But look at what Jesus said. Again, this is one of our memory verses. Therefore, uh, please join me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Again, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. You know, we can take a house 
and we can make it of the finest quality. We can have the finest architect. We can put brilliant minds into just having everything the way we want it. But if it's built upon sand, it could be catastrophic. And even so, as we go through life, we might be living according to the cultural values of the world. We might uh, be pursuing the American dream, the good job, the good home, the good family, the good car, the trip to Disney, all the American dream. But if our house is built on a foundation of sand, it is bound sooner or later to crumble. Jesus said, integrate the word of God into your life so much that you put it into practice. And if you do, you'll be like a house that won't come crashing down. Father in heaven, we just pray that by your grace we will think further upon this message, not because I am delivering this message, but a, a weekly habit, a weekly habit of thinking upon your word. Teach us how to meditate on your word, to arrive at a, a, a proper understanding of it, a sound understanding, to um, get it into our hearts and minds, to enable us to believe every word of it and to put it all into practice. By your grace, we pray for this powerful work of the Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll invite the worship team to come forward at this time, but I told you about the Summer Survivor Series, uh, but let me just tell you that on July 1st, that's two weeks from today, not next week, but the one after, we're going to have a little 40 Days in the Word celebration. There will be a segment of a service with a roving microphone in which you can... uh, share your experience with the Word, maybe a a particular paraphrase or verse of Scripture that uh, struck you in uh, some way or uh, the way that the Word of God changed your life uh, to some degree, something you saw that you never saw before, maybe something through the fellowship of the group, meeting. uh, We're going to have that opportunity to share. Uh, The sermon will be shorter that day, uh, so Pastor Neil said, and um, uh, let's hold him to it, all right? Um, but uh, the sermon will be shorter, and the time will be given over to you to uh, share some of those things. So give some thought to that, if you would.